you know, if you played with him, what he was like then, and then, you know, I don't know if you heard, he made this video with, with Cat Williams. I don't, oh, I don't know if you watch I want to see it. I know. It's I've heard so everybody funny. talk yeah. about it. I know. If you watch it, if you like stand-up comedy, yeah. uh, it's, it's it seems pretty organic and authentic, but it is it is funny. I mean, Cat Williams is just roasting all these different comics, and one of my, I love movies. Uh, he's talking about Friday in there, okay. different Fridays. So, yeah. Now, um, Shannon, Shannon Jenner, what you see is what you get with him. All right, cool. So we are live. Another episode of Adversity Kings. We have a special guest today, a couple special guests. So we have Dave Wang, one of my business partner in the insurance industry, and then also joining us with the podcast today. You brought on a guest, and you'd like to introduce your yes. friend here. So this guy's got quite a long bio here, man. So this is J.R. Nicholas. You don't have it memorized by now? <laughs> you <gotta laughs> you have it memorized, but when it's so long, <laughs> I've got to read off of it. So he started out his career. Actually, let's talk about his collegiate career because it's – Kind of crazy. So, um, safety was your first position, right? Correct. And uh, at Ohio State. Yep. And then you transferred to Western. Correct. Right. And at uh, Western, uh, you were a three-time All-American. Yes. It's freaking impressive. Okay. A tight end, right? So you transition from safety to tight end. Yep. Okay. And uh, you finish your career at Western University, statistically the top tight end in Western University history. Correct. Impressive. That I didn't know. So, and then. Uh, you were undrafted, um, but you picked up a, a contract with Seattle starting out in 2002, yes. right? Then you went from Seattle to the St. Louis Rams from 02 to 03. Correct. Uh, you went and played uh, two years in Germany. It looks like you won some world title over there. World Bowl. World Bowl. Yep. Okay. Came back, played for uh, Oakland, then played for Kansas City Chiefs, and then retired with the uh, Cleveland Browns. Correct. Currently, you are the um, owner and um, of Acceleration. Correct. Founder, owner of uh, Boom. Correct. And uh, currently, uh, collegiate coach. Yes. At uh, College of DuPage. Been there two years, since 2021, I believe. Three years. Three years. Three years. Okay. Three three. But in the last three years, you've won two national championships. Three. Three, three national three. championships. Three. Juco record. Dang. That's insane. We got to add the bio. Yeah. That's <laughs> insane. That's crazy. So, J.R. Nicholas, glad to have you on, man. Glad to be on here. This is Sorry. this is an exciting episode, and uh, it's great to have Dave on here because you know, his football IQ is a lot better than me. He says I was not a legitimate football player since I only played to the eighth grade. Um, you got the build, though. I know. The nice broad shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I was a, a Rex superstar, I like to <laughs> I like to say. Um, but it's awesome to have you on, man. So I typically like to start. Well, first off, uh, I, I had dinner in Cleveland because my, uh, my business partner, another business partner that we have, uh, through the insurance industry, he started in Youngstown, Ohio. So he's okay. close with Jim Trussell, mm -hmm. uh, Maurice Claret, and some of yes. those individuals that that are just really well well renowned in the football realm. But um, I remember going to a Cleveland restaurant, and is the guy's name is it Joe Hayden? Is that a is that a Cleveland? Uh, there player? is a Hayden. Yes, Hayden. I don't know if you played with him because yes. I think he's a lineman. No, I think he was a cornerback. Okay, there's a lot of Haydens Hayden in the league. Okay, I, I, Cleveland just it rung about. There's a lot of concussions in yeah. this head. So okay, it yes. sounds familiar, but that's what Google's for. Let's go. Awesome. So uh, let's let's just kind of jump in the the traditional route of how I kind of take the podcast. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm always curious when people have success, and and um, even even you know the the individuals I get on on the on the podcast that maybe haven't had much success yet in life. I want to know the upbringing. So where were you born and raised? Born and raised in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay, so, so you're Ohio boy. Born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, um, low-income area. So my father, coming out of high school, he got in some trouble. Yeah. And it was either two options. You go to jail or you go into the Air Force. Yeah. So he probably chose the latter, which he did. Uh, so he goes to the Air Force, serves there, um, gets stabbed jumping off an airplane, 
learns to uh, have to do technology into the control deck now because he can't jump from planes anymore. Okay. So he starts to learn technology, and this is way, 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 way back when. Um, you know, gets out of the Air Force. There's no job that will hire him. You know, you'll hear a lot of military vets say, you know, after they're done serving, it's hard to find a job. Yeah. So he couldn't find a job. And then there's this place called CompuServe that was trying to develop this thing called the internet. So this modem they're trying to develop that would connect the whole world to each other. So that's the entry level job. He had experience just from uh, working the control deck, you know, controlling the planes and making sure everybody's safe. Uh, so he takes this job, you know, like I said, low, low income housing. We're uh, right behind Forest Park. You can Google that. I mean, I used to go to sleep just watching gang fights. There's nothing better to fall asleep to than yeah. gang fights in your backyard. So um, fell asleep watching that. And then all of a sudden, you know, my dad developed a couple of uh, patents, bang, bang, bang. And then like the Jeffersons, we moved on up. Yeah. So internet blows up. You know, we get to, to move to the Burbs. Um, so we moved to Worthington, Ohio, okay. which is a nice suburb of Columbus. And then um, really the rest is history. Got, got a nice pool in our backyard now. And yeah. then, um, you know, really got to go to a better school, uh, which is hard for me. I was the only white kid yeah. in, my, um, in my classes. Yeah. Um, I joke around. That's why I was so fast because they used to play a game, Chase the Cracker. Yeah. And I used to have to run with jeans on. And yeah. no one runs fast with jeans on, especially when you pee your pants because you're running so fast. But um, you know, I had to do that. So then now I go into the suburbs and I'm still dressed kind of like a, just a white trash American. I had a comb, comb over and a mullet. My, my mom loved MacGyver yeah. and she loved Magnum PI. Yeah. So she combined those two. So first day of school in, in, um, in the suburbs, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt for Magnum PI and yeah. I got MacGyver's haircut. Yeah. So I didn't fit in well. Yeah. Very well. So um, from day one, kind of developed a chip on my shoulder, had to differentiate myself. Uh, from everybody. Um, so I've always kind of been a, a, a JR versus the world type of guy. Yeah. Based on my upbringing. Um, but it, you know, honestly, it's been a true blessing with everything I've experienced. What nationality are your parents? Um, my dad, um, his grandfather came from Warsaw, Poland. Okay. And then, you know, a couple generations past my mom came, my mom's family came from Ireland. Okay. Uh, but my grandfather came to Ellis Island from um, Warsaw during the war. They okay. escaped um, during World War II. Uh, they pushed him off to Detroit. Yeah. And then he was a, um, he made fake teeth. And with the last name Niklovich, you know, especially during the Cold War, yeah. you know, no one's gonna do business with some a Russian yes. sounding name. Yes. Um, so they decided to just shorten it to Niklos. Everyone thinks I'm Greek, Yeah. you know, because of that. But my true origin name is Niklovich. Okay. Yeah, we, we have a lot of Polish. We do actually. Yeah, we have, we have Nostrovia, That's all yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> and pierogi. Yeah. Were you always a big kid? Um, I was a, a skinny fat kid. Skinny fat kid. Skinny fat kid. So I was never athletically gifted. Um, I remember, you know, it took me three years to even get a hit in baseball. You know, I would always remember uh, my mom chirping at the fans because every time I was up, games on the line. Oh, there's an out. We lose. So my mom would mom. go off. And I remember my third grade year. So first grade didn't get a hit. Second grade got a hit. Third grade year, finally got a hit. And they stopped the game. They put me on their shoulders. Um, and I still have that baseball to this day. My very first hit in three years. Um, you know, it wasn't really until my eighth grade year. Uh, but I used to eat like crap. I would sit and um, 
just eat a bag of Doritos with a French onion dip and go through the whole bucket and the whole bag every single day. Uh, but it really wasn't until my eighth grade year where I really started to get serious in my sports. Talk about that a little bit, because I know a little bit about from eighth grade to high school. And you took, then you started realizing you need to train. Yeah, so, um, you know, I really, I loved all sports. I loved all sports. Anything with a ball, I loved it. Like I said, I played basketball, I played baseball. If it had a ball, tennis, whatever, I, I played it. You know, as you start to progress in middle school, now there's cuts. You know, they start cutting people. So I got cut from my baseball team, got cut from my basketball team. I was dang too slow, fast as a turtle to run track. I'm not going to do that. So I fell on football by default because it was a, it's a non-cut sport. You know, if you want to run full speed against someone running full speed, you know, <laughs> more power to you. Yeah. Um, so really gravitated to football, really started to love it. Um, going into my eighth grade year, you know, I want to play quarterback. I was, you know, wide out, whatever. But I just... I was a skinny fat kid, you know, so they put me on the line. I was third, third string left guard. Um, and, and I took that personal, you know, that I was a third string left guard. Uh, so after the season, you know, I started to train. You know, I started to train. I wanted to do whatever uh, Walter Payton did. I, I saw that he ran hills. I started running hills. I saw Jerry Rice caught bricks. I would throw bricks up and I'd catch bricks. Whatever I had to do, um, I did uh, because I knew at the end of the spring, our high school coaches come in, they do a, a combine. So they want to evaluate the talent. They want to see who they have, um, you know, because you play faster in Ohio, you, you know, high expectations, especially Ohio is a football state. Yeah. Um, so I was getting ready for this combine and doing everything I can. Um, at the end of spring, the combine's here. You know, we do the, the vertical. We do the pro agility, which is a short shuttle, five yards, 10 yards, five yards, and we do a 40-yard dash. Um, and I get done with it. I think I killed it. Like I'm, I'm the man. I'm like all oh, these coaches. I'm OSU bound. I'm going Big Ten. I'm starting as a true freshman. And I go into the gym and I see the results. And I start to look. And I was the exact worst at every single mm -hmm. event. The only thing I beat someone in was forty yard dash. I beat a guy named Jason Music, who was five foot tall and five foot wide. He bowling ball. He probably rolled his way to the forty. Yeah. Um, that's the only guy I beat. So yeah. I was as defeated as I could possibly be. Yeah. You know, all the while, two weeks before, um, and I still had big dreams. I had to deal with this. And then two weeks before, we did something in, um, in our homeroom. Uh, she wanted us to write down where we see ourselves five years from now, 10 years from now, and 15 years from now. Okay. And I wrote that I was going to go to Ohio State and I was going to play football there. And I wrote that I was going to play in the NFL. Uh, and mind you, I was a third string left guard at the time. And the captain of the uh, football team looked over and, uh, and he saw it. And the whole class starts laughing. J.R. Nicholas thinks he can play at Ohio State. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. can't even play at Worthingway. J.R. Nicholas thinks he can play in the NFL. Look at this guy. You know, look at his Twizzler arms yeah. and his round belly. So I had that and then bang you know, go to this combine. And then now all the work I put in, I know none of those guys were putting in the work. I know I was, you know, running those hills, catching those bricks, doing whatever I could to be great. And to see that not pay off and then get bullied from it, it really hurt. Um, so I come home and, and I'm crying. Like I, I don't, I don't normally cry, but I'm crying my eyes off because I just feel defeated. I'm bullied. My only identity is football. I'm not good at anything else. And then I just feel like I got that taken away. 
and I'm crying and, and my dad, um, he comes to me, he's like, son, you know, if, if people aren't laughing at your dreams, they're not big enough. And that, <laughs> that hit me. I still get emotional yeah. when I talk about it today. Um, and it was just like, I became a man that day. When he said that, I like grew up. Like I went from a boy to a man. He's like, you know what? Like screw them. Screw what they have to say about me. I want them to laugh. That means I'm shooting higher than they can even see. So that next day, I, I pick up this giant book um, that's kind of relevant now. It's called the phone book. And I go through training, physical fitness, and I find this company called Acceleration. And it's a sports performance facility. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'm putting in the work, but it's not the right work. Maybe I'm studying for a math test when really I'm having an English test. I'm doing all the wrong stuff. Um, so I asked my parents if they can, uh, if I can go and, you know, we go in for a trial and it's, it's expensive, you know, it's, it's expensive. My dad's business is just starting to pick up. Like I said, this is 1992. So the internet's still dial up modem. So he's not making, um, what he eventually will make. So he makes me get a job. Um, the only job I could find another relevant, uh, position is a paper boy. So I start waking up at 4.30 a.m. and slamming uh, papers at people's doors to afford acceleration. Um, long story short, short within a year, uh, my freshman year, I finally started my first game ever. So freshman year, I finally started. I was, they moved me to whiteout, so I got, I, I got rid of my excess body weight. I got faster. I was taught proper nutrition. Doritos are not meals of champions. Yeah. I learned that. I, Felt dairy was good. French onion dip is not good for you. Yeah. Um, so I started to learn lean proteins and rice and, and healthy carbs and simple sugars and complex sugars, all the stuff that need to properly fuel my body. If I want to be a high engine, I have to have proper fuel. You know, you, you don't put 87 in a Maserati. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I was doing. Um, so I saw tremendous results. Uh, finally started by my sophomore year, I started varsity football. Uh, by my junior and senior year, I was an All-State All-American. And then uh, my senior year, I was an All-American track athlete as well. Now, were you playing safety in high school? I was everything. Everything. Um, my high school player. was not very good. We were 2-18. and 18. Okay. So if it was a run, I was a running back. If it was a red zone throw, I was a, uh, a tight end. If it was a long third and forever, I was a receiver. I played corner. I played safety. I played linebacker. So I was a utility guy. Yeah. What was the graduating class size? Uh, I want to say about 1,000. About 1500. Thousand. It was a big oh, okay. high school. Yeah. Um, we were the top conference in uh, Columbus, Ohio called OCC. Okay. We got to play against tons and tons and tons of Ohio State commits. Yeah. And that's kind of how I was uh, noticed. My high school coach won state at Brookhaven in the city. And now he got to move to the Burbs. You know, okay. every yeah. CPS, you know, yeah. their job is to move to the Burbs. You get paid more, you know, it's a lot easier. Um, to do that. So he moves there. So he goes from one in state to two and 18. And his response is we had no D1 talent on our team. So every D1 coach that would call my high school coach, Tom Blake, he would say, I don't have any D1 talent for you. If I did, we want to be two and eight. So I didn't get any offers. I got zero offers out of high school. But these Ohio State coaches kept seeing me outdo all their commits. So yeah. they'd watch film on Greg Newsom, 
uh, I'm sorry, uh, Greg Simpson. They'd watch film on Daryl Mitchell, and they say, "Who's this guy locking them down? Who's this guy catching a ball over this guy? We got we have to l- learn more about him." Um, so they finally reached out personally to me and said, "You know, our offers are already out. You know, we called your coach. They threw uh, Coach Blake under the bus. We called your coach. He said he had no D1 talent, um, but we really like you. You yeah. know, you're doing better than our five commits. Uh, we want to offer you a, a walk-on spot." Um, so. Uh, that was the move. It was my dream. I had I had some minor offers, Toledo, Ohio, um, but my dream, like I said in eighth grade, was to play football at the university, um, Ohio State University. So that's what I did. And so you walked on at Ohio Correct. State University. And, and then now, did you transfer? Did you play? Because I thought, now did, how many years did you play at Ohio State University? So I was there one year. One year, okay. And same concept. I, I mean, I, I still have that note. Again, that's with with the ball. You know, it took me three years to hit my first hit. Uh, that note I'm t- t- talking about in eighth grade. Yeah, I have that. You know, that's top. That's above all my national championship rings. That's above all my my first touchdown I ever caught in the NFL. It's above my first catch I ever caught in the NFL. Yeah. On the top is that ball. Yeah. And, and that letter um, at Ohio State. You know, okay, check that off the list. You know, my goal in eighth grade was to play at Ohio State, but my ultimate goal was to play in the NFL. Okay. And you can't play in the NFL when you're seventh string, yeah. <laughs> free safety, yeah. and you're you can barely get practice reps. Yeah, you know. So um, at the time, you know, I had a buddy of mine, teammate of mine, that was interested in going to Western Illinois. He was recruited out of high school or his junior college, and we're sitting in the hot tub, and he's like, "Hey, Jay, you uh, you like it here?" I'm like, "Well, I don't like sitting the bench," you know. That's just not what I'm built for. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm looking to transfer to Western Illinois. And, um, and I asked them and they liked you. You know, they, they watched film. They, they wanted to see, okay, we got to fill this mold, this mold. Western Illinois at the time was getting a lot of transfers. Before the transfer portal, that's how Western Illinois built their success. They would get Big Ten transfers. Uh, so I took a visit there. Um, I took a visit at Northern Iowa, Indiana, Kentucky, all the schools that were interested in me uh, prior. And Western Illinois felt like home to me because literally it's football, school, and nothing else. Yeah. And that's all I wanted to do. Football, school, nothing else. I didn't want distractions in the movie theaters. There's no, there was really no movie theaters there. Really no, you know, big clubs or malls or anything. It was either I'm playing football, I'm getting my grades right, or I'm in bed. Yeah. What city is uh, Western Illinois? Macomb, in? Illinois. How far is that from here? Uh, about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Yes. West. I would imagine. Uh, south. South. Yeah. Okay. South. West. Southwest. Okay. Um, who was a coach at Ohio State when you played? Was it Urban? John Me- Cooper. John Cooper. Yes. When did Urban Meyer get in there? Urban Meyer came after Coach Trestle. Okay, so he was after Trestle. Correct. So was Trestle early two thousands, mid mid two thousands? Yes. So I I played against Trestle. Okay. At Youngstown State. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Dope. Um, so as you go, what was the, was there anything that really stood out to you in your college experience? Like, like just a turning point, kind of like that eighth grade letter. Was there anything that just kind of like added towards your trajectory of life or even subtracted? Um, you know, a lot of additions. So my sophomore year, um, so I didn't play a lot my freshman year, you know, it was a lot of pressure coming from Ohio state to Western Illinois and you feel like you have a lot to prove. Yeah. You know, so you're the the big man, and they don't really see you as a walk-on. They see you as a guy from Ohio State University. So um, I think with the stress and everything, I end up 
pulling my hamstring and track at Ohio State, and then I re-pulled it. So I had to sit the whole year, freshman year. Mm. Uh, finally got in against Georgia Southern in the semifinals uh, for some more special teams, some some side stuff. But the following year, um, you know, we get a new coaching staff, and I want I transferred to Western Illinois to play wide receiver. Yeah. So transferred to Illinois, Western Illinois, play wide receiver. We get a new coaching staff, and they look over at the wideouts, you know, because the prior um, staff really just ran more of a 21 personnel, like big lineman type tight ends. Yeah. This new staff wanted more of a receiving tight end. And um, they look over and the only white receiver was me. So they're like, oh, he looks like a tight end. Yeah. So they brought me over and I was pissed at the time. Yeah. I was pissed. I'm like, how dare they? I transferred all the way to Western Illinois to play wide out. I don't know tight end. Yeah. So like I told you, there's no malls in uh, Western Illinois. So I drive to Peoria, which is about an hour away. Yeah. I go to GNC. And I get every fat loss thing you could find, like Shred Max and whatever, whatever yeah. said, I'm like, I was probably about 205 at the time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting down to 160. There's no way they can move me to tight end. I'm gonna prove yeah. them wrong. And so I'm taking all these like fat losses, still when Infederin is legal and stuff. So yeah. I'm getting everything. And it revved me up so much, I gained 15 pounds. Oh. I was in the gym, like, like wow. I was eating everything. like. Yeah. I gained 15 pounds, and next thing you know, I'm 220, and um, I just had to own it. So yeah. um, still sitting the bench because I'm raw. I've never played tight end before. I don't know how to block that. I can block a 160-pound DB, but I can't block a, a DN, 6'5", yeah. 260. Um, so I'm sitting the bench. You know, we're playing Northern Iowa, a big rival of ours, some a school that I was uh, close to committing to. We're down at halftime by four points, and – Kareem Ross, the tight end who was a transfer from Wisconsin, he starts cramping up. So they put me in, uh, three seconds left in the half, and they just decided to throw a Hail Mary. Everybody, all the wideouts are open. Um, I split the seam. Mark Xander throws it over my head, and I pull back here and catch it one hand behind the back. Yeah. One hand behind the back. I don't know how it stuck. It's just one of those things. You just, you know, you see it's overthrown. Yeah. You put your hand out and then somehow it just stuck. And this is before these gloves like Odell Beckham has. That's this what is, I was wondering. This is the like, leather gloves. So if you yeah. can catch it one hand with those leather gloves, you're you're the real deal. I've seen some like pictures though, like throwback of like glue or something on the old. Oh, gloves. to stick them. The stick. Yeah. yeah. Was that legit? That's or? more for like the hands. You can't put you them on can't the, put on the gloves okay. because it hardens the leather. Oh, okay. That makes so sense. So that's more like your hands. So you'll see like the tacky. It's like the. Yeah. Uh, the dark orange, brown. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, what the? <laughs> yeah, if you put that in, Anybody? you say goodbye to your gloves. I was thinking, I was like, man, that must be how Dave <laughs> used to catch footballs or something. <laughs> but you, so I caught it, touchdown, <laughs> and then I had 160 yards um, Game. the next half. Oh, okay. And I never, I, I never sat the bench again. That's insane. Um, so it taught me a, a valuable lesson. Number one, never feel sorry for yourself. Okay. Number two, your opportunity won't happen when you want it to happen, it's going to happen on its time. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, you're not going to get a second opportunity. Yep. So that was so, a valuable lesson that was taught with that is so many people want it handed to them. They want it given and not earned. And then once <laughs> they get that opportunity, they're not prepared because they're feeling sorry for themselves. They want something first and then they're <laughs> going to react. Um, so that was a valuable lesson that, that has helped me, you know, beyond life. Um, from that on, there on, I was an All-American that year. I was All-American my junior year. I was All-American my senior year. That's dope. Uh, what was the transition process from college to the NFL? 
For me, because I was a faster guy, it was pretty easy. Okay. Um, I think speed is the biggest difference between college and the pros. That's yeah. why you don't see a lot of one double A, D two, D three guys play in the NFL because they just assume you're not fast enough. Because that's the biggest separation between a D1, D2, D3 guy. They're all amazing football players. How much faster can a human truly get? I would say you can manipulate about 20% of your speed. Yeah, so so like someone like Tyreek Hill, like that's he's, that's just like a, that's a natural speed. Oh, he's speed. a freak, that's yes. Just, the dude but was, you could say he maximizes all of it. Yeah. You know, so 80%, you know, you can manipulate that 20%. So I, I feel he's done a really good job maximizing his speed, keeping healthy, strengthening his hips, his hamstrings. Uh, whereas somebody like him, you know, say he runs a 4-3, someone like him that doesn't have his drive, his work ethic, his training, is still running four fives. Yeah. What was what was his 40? He's about a 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four guy. Have, well, who's, what's, the, what's the record? Isn't it like 4-1? Four, yeah. 4-2? Yeah. Wait, so where did he play? The legit Deion Sanders, yeah. 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 The John the official is John Ross at like four two one or something. Where did he play the Titans or something? Lister. I don't think he got drafted by the Bengals. I know he played on maybe he did get drafted by the Bengals. He went like top ten just off of his speed. Off his speed. He lost out on an island though. On an island? Yeah. Adidas was doing a thing where if you wore Adidas cleats and you broke their record, they would give you an island. Wow. Wow. That's insane. Boston Island. Yeah. yeah, that's insane. So you walk on then essentially NFL then, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so I wasn't drafted. Yes. Um, towards the end of the draft, so around six, seven, I started getting calls. Um, and they, they kind of lead you on, you know, so they're saying, hey, we're going to draft you this round, you know, and, and it's it's a lie. You yeah. know, they, they want to make you think they were gonna draft you. Yeah. So then when the free agent happens, like, hey, we're gonna draft you. We have big plans for you. You know, yeah. we just had to get this guy or this guy had to go come off the board first and it just didn't work out. So yeah. all these teams were calling me, saying they're gonna draft me and they never did. Uh, so then right after the seventh round, you know, I started getting blown up and talk about stress. You know, I had eight teams calling me, blowing up my phone, blowing up my agent's phone. They had my parents' phone saying, I got you on the phone. You either sign with us or we're calling the next guy. So we have all these phones and you have to literally decide your future in 30 seconds. Yeah. And this is still dial up modem time. So I'm trying to get the uh, the Seahawks and the Rams roster loaded. And it's just like, ding, 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 ding. like there's everything's going so slow. Um, so ultimately Rams, everyone offered more signing bonus. I, I had this feeling about Seattle Seahawks because Max Strong just retired. Heath Evans was a running back transition to fullback. Um, and then they had some Marina guy and a free agent. I yeah. really felt like that was it. Um, so I ended up signing with Seattle Seahawks. Who was the coach? Uh, Mike, Holmgren. Mike Holmgren. Yes. You played with Mike or Heath Evans? Yes. Okay. Yep. Didn't he retire with Dallas? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. He didn't he didn't play a lot. No. Uh, they didn't they didn't boy. love him no. in uh, Seattle. It just really, they, they wanted like hard nosed fullback. Yeah. And Heath is more like a Mike Allstott yeah. uh, type utility guy. Yeah. The the compensation for NFL has truly evolved over not only the last couple decades, but I, there was somebody at our home office event and I feel horrible. He wore 88 for the Cowboys. He had okay. to be like 70 years old or something. Okay. This is an old dude. But he was saying like they, they signed him for like, Jerry Jones signed him for like 
50 bucks, 75 oh, bucks. Yeah. He was like, yeah, you can walk on. And he ended up being a, you know, like a stellar player, uh, like Hall of Fame. No, not Michael Irvin. Older probably than him. Be, yeah, probably before. Yeah, the 88. Uh, Michael Lander. Irvin, I would respectfully know. You know what I mean? This guy's, dude, this, he was skinny, dude. You know what I mean? Skinny black dude, but uh, still, 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 he solid dude. But I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, you got guys like, uh, Who's got the who's got the highest contract in the NFL right now? I'd say probably Patrick Mahomes or something making over Mahomes. Yeah, one oh, of the stupid dude. Yeah. Like, a, like, could you even imagine contracts like that I in know. the early two thousands? Yeah. Even for like, who were some of the top? Who were some of the top guys in the two thousands? Early two thousands. Shoot, it was still yeah, still Tom Brady. Brady wasn't a dog in the early two thousands though. He started to come up. My, yeah. So, yeah. my six year career, the NFL Hall of Famers I played with were Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner. Um, Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Tony Gonzalez, John Randall, Warren Sapp, um, Orlando Pace, Aeneas Williams. Yeah. I think there's about 15 that I, I Who was the played best with. player you played against? Uh, I would have to say um, it was it was pretty fun to play against Ray Lewis. Yeah. You know, Lewis. just because I got to block yeah, I got to block him. And yeah. he, he's 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 a real deal. Yeah. And it was fun. I also got to play against Junior Seau, okay. uh, which was you know, he he was pretty fun um, to play against. Um, you know, I, I remember playing the Colts, and you know, this was one of my very first games. So the NFL is just so surreal. Like, especially you know, with my upbringing, it never really hit me that I was playing in the NFL because I don't know. Maybe I, I felt like I didn't belong. Yeah. Um, but it felt like a virtual video game. Like I was just playing VR. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember. One of my very first games, you know, Peyton Manning pregame just walks by me. And if you've seen Peyton Manning walk, he does kind of walk like, yeah. like an NPC, like he's a robot. And um, it just felt like, you know, robot. I didn't even hit like, oh, Peyton Manning just walked by me. It still like felt so surreal. So yeah. I never really felt a lot of pressure in the league because the fans are so far out. It, it, it never really hit me um, that it was real. But it, it was pretty cool now looking back on it. Oh, shoot. I, I did some pretty cool stuff. That's insane. That's insane. So describe that. What were you th like? What was going through your mind? Obviously, you wrote that down. You manifested. So tell me what was going through your mind when you finally made it and you're there. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I was I was built on motivation. Uh, my junior year, um, my father was diagnosed with cancer, and so by my senior year, all the um, treatments were extinguished. They, they didn't work. Um, so all the all the stuff, the normal chemo, the normal radiation, just it, it wasn't working. Um, so the only thing that we could do to either save him or prolong his life is all these trials and trials cost money. So you have to pay money for, for these. Um, so my motivation was not, I wanted to play in the NFL. I, I had to play I had in to. the NFL. I yeah. must play in the NFL. Um, so I was driven by that. So I never felt pressure. I never felt anything. I was always ready. I never felt sorry for myself. You know, as soon as I got cut, you know, which I did multiple times, it was like wake up the next day and grind with a blind faith that I'm going to get another opportunity. So I, I really can't tell you one time um, that I felt pressure. Uh, the only time I really let outside voices negatively attack me is is reading message boards. I started to get into that. And, you know, when I started at, in St. Louis, um, there was a fan favorite that they cut to keep me. Um, so the originally the fans of St. Louis weren't very happy, you know, with me. Yeah. Um, and I got into that. So I got in a little slump um, for about three weeks, three, four weeks where I did feel sorry for myself. And I did question myself. Um, 
but then I was able to snap right back out of it. That's insane. Um, now, as you wrap up your NFL career, who was the best coach that you played either for or against? I had a lot of really good coaches. I love Mike Holgram. <clears throat> I felt like his size and stature was intimidating. So you respected him just because he's huge. Oh, he's a big dude. Yeah, he's a big dude. He was, he was, I'm 6'3". He was bigger than me. For real? And for every two of my fingers were one of his fingers. That's insane. So the he could point at like you. Double hand <clears throat> you. Yeah. Like literally sausage fingers. Yeah. So you respected him just because you knew he could, he could beat you down. Yeah. Um, but he was a teddy bear. Yeah. You know, so he cared for you. He loved you. But he had high expectations and high demands for you. Um, so you wanted to be great for him. Yeah. Um, so he was the one that I, I respected the most. You know, I had Herm Edwards in Kansas City. He was a good players coach. Uh, I thought he was a little too, too friendly uh, for the players. Yeah. Um, so he kind of let the players run the show. Yeah. And if there was there were some people there that were leaders that were not uh, in positions to be leaders, so it kind of, you know, let let us get a little wild with it. Mm -hmm. um, at Romeo Cornell, at uh, Cleveland, again, he was under Bill Belichick. You know, I don't know if he did a good enough job really taking over the Belichick mantra. Yeah. You know, he tried. He was a good guy. Um, I really like North Turner in, um, in Oakland. Mm -hmm. uh, my first day in Oakland, I didn't know anybody. Um, and, and eating lunch, sitting by myself, and, and he came down and, and sat next to me. Wow. Um, so he was that type of guy yeah. where a guy like Mike Martz, um, who was, you know, in the, with the bears, uh, he was the exact opposite. You know, you could walk down a, a hallway, me and coach Martz in this long hallway and no one else there, but us. And you look at him waiting for eye contact. So you say, hello, he'll just literally walk right on by you. Yeah. And he would, he, he motivated people by fear, um, which I feel is instant success, but you'll never reach no your full potential. Yeah, it's not a relationship. And that's what he did. Um, I'll never forget Trunk Candidate, Marshall Falk's backup, fumbled uh, in a big, big game situation, big time um, game. He fumbled. And at practice, our next practice, he literally had us line up in a gauntlet. You know, so all 50, you know, 60 of us would line up, and he made Trunk run through while we're hitting the ball yeah. out over and over and over again. And Trung was never the same after that. He, he was never the same. And he would do that. He would single out some player during practice and just embarrass him, annihilate him, and then he would move on to the next guy. So intellect-wise, smartest guy I ever met. I learned more with Coach Martz about the details of football, how there's a difference between running a 10-yard dig and a 10.2-yard dig throwing at 3.7 seconds as opposed to 3.8 seconds. Like details matter in football because everyone's fast, everyone's athletic. I learned so much about the game of football to who I am now. Um, I just didn't agree with his delivery of, of yeah. how he coached. Now, now you brought up Belichick and there's a lot of controversy with him right now. Do you think the Patriots will let him go? I think it's time. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's time to move on. And, and no slight to the Patriots, no slight to the uh, to Coach Belichick, I just think, you know, sometimes, you know, you're doing the same thing. Like, I I feel like it's hard for me. You know, we've won three national championships at College of DuPage. Yeah. It's hard to to find that 
motivation, what, what's for, you know, yeah. what's for like the first one you're motivated. I want to, you know, I want to do it. It's my Prove first something. year coaching yeah. college football. I'm going to show, and then I got to go back to back. Okay. Now three P I'm going to prove them wrong. And then now it's four, now it's five. And, and my motivation is really, I want the, the NCAA, NAIA, JUCO record for most national championships. Yeah. And it's North Dakota State. And they got five. So that's my motivation. Back to back. Five, yes, five in a row. Wow. But, you know, I think someone like Bill Belichick, who's accomplished everything, you know, Every year it's a new team. There's no culture really being built in yeah. the NFL. You're losing 50%. So every year Coach Belichick has to coach like he did 20 years ago, even when he was with the Browns, and it can get tiresome. And you yeah. can start to lose that stuff. Sometimes we forget that we have to coach new kids every day. You know, So we grow as coaches, but our athletes don't grow. Yeah. So sometimes we, we speak above them. Sometimes we want to jump steps in the process because I've grown as a coach. I'm a whole lot better coach than I was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But my kids are still 18-year-old kids. Yeah. They're still fresh out of high school. So a lot of coaches advance a lot faster and then they lose the patience level of what they had. And, and it's just a natural thing. So I think if Coach Belichick moved to another team, either college or the pros, it'll give them a reset. Mm. where now he has to install everything back the way he did from day one, and he can't just assume they know what he knew, you know, this year as opposed to 20 years ago. I want to capitalize on that with another question of greats. Who do you think is the greatest player of all time? Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Yes. Why is he greater than Tom Brady? Um, Tom Brady is close. I do, I do like Tom Brady. But so for me, greatness is – not how high you go, it's how far you've come. So we're all blessed with certain talents. We're all blessed um, with certain skill sets. You know, in, in my opinion, Jerry Rice went from the bottom to the top. Mississippi Valley State, you know, what have you heard of more, Michigan or Mississippi Valley State? You know, so. What about T.O.? Terrell, I don't know. Didn't he come from like a. A smaller school, Walter small, Payton. Small school. Walter Payton, same as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say Randy Moss, I think. Yeah, Marshall, which was still one to Marshall, I think, was bigger than the school T.O. went to. I'm biased. I like the Cowboys. So okay. But uh, I, I agree with that. So from the bottom to the top, more of a measurability uh, in comparison to, like, the level that you start on. Almost like when we get in business and we have guys that come in and get into, uh, you know, sales with us, there, there might be a little more respect for the kid that comes from, like, the slums versus the kid that might yes. have a hundred grand in the bank from where, which it's not a bad thing. I, I want to be in a position where I can help my kids out when they transition, but maybe their parents help them out yep. and they have some type of fund or, or whatever it might be. Um, there, and, and they rise to the top because yep. both can do it. There's inspiration, desperation. I think those are the two like pit cores of, of motivation in life that I've learned from, from success. But I agree. I see what you're saying. Cause uh, you know, when, when you find that dog that just has like all odds against them oh, yeah. or her and, and they just rise to the top. And Jerry wasn't the most talented person yeah. in the world. Whereas you can watch film of Tom Brady and, and he's a real deal. Jerry at the fastest ran a four, six, yeah. but he trained his tail off cause he felt, you know, cornerbacks run four threes, four fours, quarter one. But if he continues to block them, continues to run team routes, oh. by the end of the fourth quarter, 
they're running four eights, four yeah. sevens. Uh, but he's going to train so hard that his four six sustains. You know what I mean? Yes. So, like that. If you look at most of his stats, it's the third quarter and the fourth quarter because he never got tired because he yeah. outtrained everybody. You know, and I'm biased because I played with Jerry and he was, he literally was, you know, my hero growing up. I used to film in the VHS, press record, film, and I would emulate him. And I wanted to be him. Like if you yeah. look at my high school highlight tape, after he scored, he would just stand there and do this. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, so when I got to play with him in Oakland, I'll, I'll never forget Rich Gannon calls the play. And, you know, I don't know if they do. I don't watch NFL too much anymore, but you you would hold hands of everyone in the huddle. Yeah. And Rich Gannon's calling the play. I'm looking down. I'm holding Jerry Rice's hand. Like That's the insane. hands he caught bricks with. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm looking and I'm just like in awe. Like the moment I don't hear anything, I don't see anything else. And I have zero clue what Rich Gannon calls. Yeah. You know, because I just went to straight fanboy. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd ask my my running back. I'm like, bro, what what's the call? He's like, yeah. just go right and block first person you see. So, um, but my my six year career, you know, I played with 15 Hall of Famers. I never asked anyone for an autograph but Jerry Rice because yeah. I felt like I took it personal and I I never wanted to know athletes' names. So Ray Lewis wasn't Ray Lewis to me. He was just number 52. Yeah, he, he, I never looked at names. I blanked it out because if you play the name, you play everything you know about that person. You play the per, the number. He's just he's just a body. He's yeah, he's I the Mike that. linebacker. He's the Will linebacker. So um, Jerry Rice midseason is cleaning up his locker and like what's going on with Jerry? And he's like he was traded to Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, uh, so he's cleaning out his locker. I'm like I, I always told myself I would never ask for anyone for his autograph. Yeah, and I took. The hat off my head was the Raider hat and, and asked Jerry to sign it. So that's the only autograph. You still got the hat? Oh, yeah. That's in my, that, that's, I was going to say. That's row two yeah, of my office. I was going to say, you got to keep that. Man, there's a lot of great people that have come out of Ohio. I uh, I don't know. I, I get bored, but I'm studying all the presidents, like reading and watching individual biographies. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm on like 26 or something, and uh, I think seven or something yeah, out the of the presidents. first. There's a lot of presidents came yes. out of Ohio. There's a lot of dogs that came of out of Ohio, athletes, business individuals. I think, uh, I don't know if it's Rockefeller or, you know, one of those like multi, you know, wealthy individual families started in Ohio. Les Wexner, a lot of money. Limited, the yeah. Express. Dude, what is in the water over there? It's just centralized. I would say it's centralized. A lot of businesses like how diverse it is. So if they want to start a business, they go into Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And if it works in Ohio, they feel like it can work anywhere. So the the biggest owner, essentially, in regard to like legacy out of our out of our insurance company, Ohio. Okay. Ohio. Yeah. Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. It okay. all started. I say probably half of half of our company came from uh, yeah. the legacy. Starting the origin was Ohio. Okay. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's it's an it's insane, you know what I mean. And I've got to I've got to have a couple meetings because of you know partnerships with with the insurance industry with Jim Trussell. So oh, yeah. like it's it's just kind of surreal. And uh, I grew up, you know, speaking of Ohio, I grew up in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, and down the road is Jeanette, Pennsylvania. Okay. And we had a, a good kid that went to Ohio State University, and he had there was some controversy. But uh, I don't Terrell Pryor, I don't know how. Oh yeah, yeah. So he he went to Ohio. Um, so Ohio is always. It's always just been a respectable program. Any anytime, like I remember you used to play uh, NCAA. I don't know if you played any video oh, games yeah. or anything, but like you always wanted to be the Buckeyes. Yep. You know what I mean? So it, that's that's really sweet. Now, when you leave the NFL, how was that transition out? Because I feel like you know, as I'm getting older, I'm watching some guys like 
Um, I'm trying to get Trent Richardson on a podcast. I okay. DM'd him. I'm trying to work something out. But I'm watching some guys, and I'm like, I wonder how somebody's mental health is transitioning out because you literally, that's your identity, bro. Oh, yeah. I, I also reached out to the Black Mamba, played okay. at Oregon, that real fast kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I think he went in, and I think Tyreek Hill kind of, you know, kind of displaced him. But yeah. I'm like looking at some of these guys, I'm like, I want to ask these guys, like, what was it like for you? And what are your thoughts on transitioning out of the NFL, especially the mental health? How, how did you, how'd you take that? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. You know, for me, I was 28. Um, so you think you're going to play forever when you're, when you're a football player. You have to have that confidence in the NFL. You have to feel like you're the best on the field. You'll, you will not last in the NFL if you don't feel like you're the best. You also have to feel that you, you're unconquerable. You can do whatever and there's no repercussions. So, you know, you're 28, like a mo lot of us are, six year career, you have nothing that you can just retire on. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're a first round draft pick, it's very hard to retire after, after six years uh, and just abs do absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, for us that, you know, the other 50 on the 53 man roster, you know, we're making 300 to 400 tax 50%. Do they jock tax you? Like I've read, like, is it every state or something Correct. you play in? You get double taxed because you're an entertainer. That's so insane. So when you play, you know, when I was in the Rams and I, I play in California, you get California taxed and Missouri taxed. And so you have to write off a lot, like yeah. your suits and your food, but you know, you'll get, you'll, you'll literally get 50%. So if you made 400, it's 200. And then now you're just trying to, trying to get some write-offs yeah. with it. But um, so it's nothing to hold on to. So you're 28, you have no job experience. You know, you're, you're a gambler because that's just how you were built. You take chances, you, you're not feel for, so you'll either have, you know, guys that just can't find jobs and they're too, they're too, I, I, I would say they just can't go work at Home Depot or yeah. they can't like, you can't well, go from the NFL to that. So you're only expecting a non-entry level job. Cause you were job. a Titan, you were a destroyer. Yes. So you're not gonna flip burgers at McDonald's. Yeah. Like, so you have that. And then you also have, we're risk takers because that's what we have to do. If I, yeah. if I see four dudes and a running back behind them, I'm gonna take a risk and I'm gonna run through all four. I'm gonna make the play. So a lot of them invest in stupid things. You know, I remember um, Quadra Ismail, the rocket, you know, he put all his money in um, calling cards, literally vending machine calling cards the year before cell phones blew up. I so, don't even know what that he, is. He's too young. Back <laughs> then, you would have like almost like gift cards. Yeah. And then that's what you would use for pay phones. Correct. Right? Yep. Okay. Oh my. Because yeah. they used to charge or out of state. Yeah. If you want to call someone that didn't have the same area yeah. code as yours. So I'm 614 area code. If I want to call yeah. 312, yeah. I had to put in a calling card because it yeah. costs money to call someone not in the same area code. <laughs> That's insane. So he invests in that. So a lot of people are looking for that quick buck. So yeah. they, they do some, some rust things. So mm -hmm. for me, you know, 28, you know, I wanted to really get into marketing. I wanted to get, I really like graphic design. I love training, obviously, because that's yeah. all I did. So um, first I was trying to get into sports marketing. So same concept, emailing, doing resumes, and I'm not getting a thing. You know, I'm just getting internship opportunities. And I'm like, I'm 28, I'm not doing an internship. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's nothing. So um, I was in St. Louis at the time. You know, and then I call um, 
one of my trainers up here that owns some gyms here in Chicago, Chris Miner. And he's like, bro, it's like, it was almost like God's timing. Um, he's like, I'm splitting from my partners. You know, we have three facilities. We're all going to own um, different aspects of it. So I'm, I'm, I need somebody to come up here. Yeah. Um, so came up here, inflatable mattress, lived in uh, Chris's basement. Uh, my wife just had uh, my son, uh, who was 16 at the time, or 16 now. Um, so he was in a, a crib. We were sleeping on inflatable mattresses. And I remember I'm on my laptop designing Acceleration logo. That's a dog um, right there. You know, and, and just with a blind faith of, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but I think this is the right move. And then when did you guys meet? Uh, it was shortly after that. So my kids were playing football, and I think JR came in yep. and did um, kind of did like a combine. In the ring. And yeah, and it was that commissioner's field. Yep. So I uh, fell in love with these guys. I always yes. thought that, man, whose kid are you running with a piano on your back? So I got them involved to uh, training, and from day one, uh, really honestly just fell in love with how JR and uh, Chris and Mike, how these guys treated my boys. Now, are Chris and Mike the founders? Mike is his brother. Yes. Mike's your brother. Yes. Yep. He's our uh, main trainer. Okay. okay. Uh, Chris was kind of the founding member of this group. Yeah. And he transitioned out, exited two. Is it two years ago now? Uh, about four. It's been a while. Oh, geez. Yeah. About four years ago. Yeah. So Chris is the one that I'm in, um, that Sarasani and I yeah. are in different business with. Did, where'd you get the idea? Like, obviously, you you were training at Acceleration as a kid, and then to to, I, I guess in a sense, kind of adopt that that name into your guys' new company. Um, was that from the the dream that you had? Like, hey guys, this is what helped me kind of accelerate to the NFL. Yeah, I didn't know it exactly what I wanted to do that because remember it was Get Fast. It was Get Fast, so I changed right. it. Yes. Yeah, I wanted acceleration because that's yes. what I where I. I was gonna that. say so like that was from you, I would imagine. Yes. Okay. Dope. And then from so from there, your acceleration. How long did it take for that to start to like pop off? It took about a year. Just it, a year. It was a, it was a grind. You know, yeah. we started with six athletes. Yeah. Um, we were in a strip mall. Yeah, we're in Fox a strip Bell, mall right, right outside of next to Coles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know the good thing is Jamba Juice was right off the. Yeah. Or, Across the street, but yeah. um, you know, so we're playing, we're, we're paying retail space in a little hallway, yeah. And um, you know, it was a grind. It, it was a lot of just going to practices, yeah. You know, like with with Dave and his kids, and and just going to combines, and literally just go like you had to go out to lunch every day, and you'd see a kid with a letter jacket or you know, Wabonzi football shirt, and you you had to literally just go up and talk to him, yeah. You know, and just. You, we were on on the pavement. We still have to do that every day because our kids, you know, there's no really residual in what we do because once the kids are in high school and then they graduate, they're gone. So yeah. we're always, you know, a gym, you know, I've trained at my gym for like 15 years. Yeah. You know, we only have, you know, a short widow for, for our kids. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we're grinding and I, I would say we're up to 100 kids yeah. uh, within the first year. Wow. Training. And now we train probably between our, our three centers, uh, probably about 600 kids a year, 600, That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. I always reference that when, when people get into insurance and, uh, and they're like, I'm like, you know, they're like, what's the retention rate of, uh, you know, the engines? And I'm like, it's a lot better than what they got to deal with in sports. Yeah. And I can tell you that, you know what I mean? These, these college coaches, the NFL, co I don't care who it is, you know, the people are just coming and going, like you said, on a daily yeah. basis, whether it's injuries, transfers, uh, now you have the, I don't know when uh, the NIL deal was you know, officially cemented. So yeah. it's like, 
you know, I, you know, what's your thoughts on that as well? Like, how, how do you think that's going to affect, you know, or already is affecting collegiate sports? I think it needs to be better regulated, but I can, I like the fact that athletes are getting paid. Yes. Um, I just don't like the fact that it's, it's not regulated. So, you know, I was just down in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl and talking with some guys. You know, these kids are 17, 18, Making signing contracts, not reading fine print. Yeah. So I, I don't recall the name, but he just got to the NFL and he signed in his contract when he was in college, an NIL deal that 40% of everything he makes in the NFL goes to, to this person wow. that made him sign an NIL deal. So he chased the bag. He got that short-term success. Um, you know, someone probably offered him 50, 50K, 100K. Yeah, I'm going to take it. Like, yeah. Didn't read the fine print. So now he's losing 200, 300K in the NFL. And a lot of times these kids, if you get them young, you know, like, you know, my son who's 16, he has no, like, he can't really picture he's going to the NFL. He can't picture he's going to college. So if someone approached him, you know, with a, a family that's never had football kids before and said, you know, I'll give you $100,000 if you sign this, but if you get to the NFL, I get 50%. Yeah. A lot of people just sign it because, shoot, if I get to NFL, period, it's a blessing. Yeah. So people are doing that now. Yeah. And they don't know taxes. They're not 1099. They're not writing off. They're yeah. not, they don't know what they're doing. Um, so I think it's done the wrong way. But, you know, college football is a full-time job. You know, it was hard for me. I, I did a summer job, but it's hard to work. And then you just see how much money college football makes yeah. when we're the ones putting our bodies on the line. So I think it's fair that they get some of the money. The first office I opened in insurance was three or four years ago. It was in Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. And I got to tour the facility of the Huskers. Okay. So I ran into an alumni, and uh, I actually am friends with another alumni as well, and I still talk to and I got to tour the facility, and I never really realized the levels to football until I, one, the facility was amazing. Oh, and they yeah, told I me know. they bring in like eight to $10 million yep. per home game. Yep. And I'm sitting there thinking 80 million, say they, say they have eight, eight home games. And I'm thinking like, man, 60 plus million dollars and none of you, who, where's it all go? Yeah, You know what I mean? Plus all the tuition and everything. I'm like, if the professors are making 50 grand, 100 grand, where is all this money going? Oh, like, yeah. Who's getting rich off this? And then, but here's what, and I always tell these, these guys because they're like, I'm having a bad day. And I'm like, well, you know, we can go sign you up for college football because they, if you're working out, this, the equipment had heart monitors. Yeah. They measure your heart rate oh, yeah. with each rep. Yeah. And he told me, it's like, if they don't Velocity. feel like your heart rate is at a certain like standard, you redo the rep. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, Man, you can't ever slack. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like, velocity based, so bar speed. Dude, I'm sitting here thinking yeah. like, oh my, I'm they looking at They take out like, the guesswork. Dude, I'm like, oh my God. Cause I, I got a good workout routine now where I can maintain a good physique. And it's like, it's like light work. I don't gotta push myself that yeah, hard. Right. But I'm sitting there thinking like, bro, if I had to twice a day, uh, just this, this, you know, big man or some, some lineman coach just over me, like, nope, didn't hit all. You know what I mean? Like again, again, yeah. harder. And I'm just sitting there like, Bro, this is nuts. Yeah. Now, when does it, is that just major D one programs, or is like when can when can coaches really start? Can you start to see coaches really pushing that limit on on players? Like, are there big high school? I can imagine Texas probably yeah, has some. Texas is doing it now. There's some high schools that are actually like it's it's just called velocity based training. Okay, um, so they they measure more the bar speed and and the reps with that. Um, 
so in football, it's not how much you lift. It's, it's how fast you can lift it. Yeah. You know? um, mass times acceleration. So yeah. uh, they want to see that. So if I can lift 315 pounds, but it's slow, you know, there's nothing slow in football. So they, they measure, you know, how fast you can lift it. And there's a parameter and there's a bar. So, um, I mean, there's apps that do it now. Yeah. So if you really want to do it, you can do it. Uh, but I would say the upper echelon of D1AA's, all D1s have to do it now. Some D2s, the really successful ones, some D3s, and then premier high schools yeah. are training their kids like that now. That's insane. Now, um, how long have you been coaching uh, football, obviously on like a, a team basis? Because you mentioned three national championships. Yeah, since 2008. Since 2008. Correct. So where all like... Where all of you coach then? I coach at Newquill Valley High School. Okay. Um, we felt, me and Chris felt it would be good. Like I said, we were we had to be actively involved in the community. Yeah. Um, you know, sports performance isn't not, in our opinions, it's not something that you can constantly like push out marketing wise. Um, for one, you know, we want you to get nasty in our training center. Yeah. You know, there's a saying that I, I live by what's done in the dark shall be brought to the light. Yes. You know, so everything that you do in the dark will eventually come out dude that's so crazy you said that I, I have a memory from uh today i just shared with the team and it says people are rewarded publicly this was from five years ago for the years they spend working privately yeah from tony robbins and literally five years ago today i shared that <laughs> really? yes yeah. so you're saying so we believe that so that's why if you look at our social medias we're not we're not posting a lot we want to be like the secret sauce we want to have some mystery we want you to know about us but we also don't want you to be able to just learn everything about us just through our socials. Yeah. So we're very calculated and precise what we do. But because of that, we have to get on the grind and we have to go into the community and, and do do all that. So we thought it was a good idea for me to coach. Um, so I coached at the closest high school, which was Nequa Valley High School. Um, my like roommate program. in college, a okay. huge program. Yeah. Uh, they've won a, a Grammy. Uh, for their their um, music department. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a college campus. Okay. Um, so I started coaching there, you know, and, and really getting a lot of the Nequa Valley kids in, um, and then they saw a lot of success. You know, Nequa Valley really started to skyrocket with their performance. You know, with their athletes training acceleration, and then all their rivals, Wabonzi, Naperville North, Naperville Central. Like, shoot, I'm not. That's an unfair advantage if they're doing all that yeah. extra training. I got to get my guys there. So it was almost yeah. like a keeping up with the Joneses. So uh, I coached there. Um, for me, you know, so Mark Kronowski just won the the FCS um, National Championship. He was a Walter Payton Award winner. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, uh, he was one of my last quarterbacks. And I felt like I accomplished everything I needed to accomplish at the high school level. Um, Mark was graduated. I had... Uh, intentions to leave, and I got really uh, close with Colin Blazik, who's at Ball State right now. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do one more year. And then COVID happened. Um, so it was really easy transition for me to yeah. go uh, to COD. Not only do we practice in the morning so I can go to my kids' um, sporting events, but I was mentally ready to, to coach at a, a higher level. Yeah. Um, so three years ago is when I made the transition. And every year you guys have national Yeah, we're three for three right now since I've been there. That's insane. That's insane. So... Now, is that considered a JUCO or is yes. that? Okay, so how are you getting, well, I guess, you know, some of these players need to transition there before they can go into an actual college program. But, like, how are you retaining them through all the success in the season? Can't they transfer midseason? Uh, it depends on how they are academically. Oh, okay. If they're a qualifier, which means yeah. they could have gotten to college out of high school, yeah. they can leave whenever. If they were not a qualifier, they have to get their associate's degree. Okay. 
So it all depends, but it is very hard for us. But I mean, any coach these days from D1 to whatever is having to do it because of the portal. Yeah. We're used to it that our kids could play one season with us and gone. So recruiting is so big for us because we just have to have that general assumption. We're going to have a kid one year and then hopefully get him to a four-year institution. So yeah. it's a blessing for us if he does have an opportunity to go. It hurts us as a team. Yeah. But you know, we're we're not gonna slight a kid. Oh, you just got a D1 offer. Why don't you stay at JUCO for another year? You wow. know, so yeah. we're happy for him, but we're like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna replace him, you yeah. know, in six months' time, because they could go whenever. They can go two months before the season. Uh, our starting nickel two years got a full ride to Eastern Kentucky. What do you think is the biggest thing that helps you helps you guys recruit? Like what would you say contributes to your guys' recruiting tactics the most? I would say uh, our culture, what we've done in the past, so our legacy. Um, our coaches, you know, the expertise of our coaches is really a convenient. The location of the school yeah. allows us to have multiple college coaches uh, in attendance because it's just right off the interstate, whereas most JUCOs are in, in you know, the backyard of Iowa. Yeah. Um, just harder to get to. So we got a lot of lot of things. But for us, if you go into college at DuPage and then you go to any other school, you're going to see the facilities. You're going to yeah. see the, the expertise of the coaches. Um, you know, it helps that we've won national championships yeah um because that's the expectation of all of our kids so we got a lot of things you know positive going for us that you know really make recruiting easy um and then now supply and demand with you know most colleges are not going to uh to high schools anymore to recruit wow so we're getting division one talent at at our juco because why get a 17 year old when you can get a 21 year old the 21 year old at that same athletic ability will always be better. Yeah. You know, he's going to be stronger. He's going to be faster. He's going to be smarter. Yes. Um, so let's just, you know, if I'm Ohio state, I'm going to get a guy that maybe was at Toledo yep. was an all Mac, you know, and now looking to move up. Yep. Or if I'm Toledo, I'm going to get someone that like myself who sat the bench at Ohio state, you know, that I couldn't have gotten out of high school. Yeah. You know, no one that committed to Ohio State would have accepted a Toledo offer out of high school. But when he sits the bench for two years at Ohio State, <laughs> yeah, he's going to go. Yeah. Um, so they don't even mess with Unless you're a dog dog out of high school, they don't even want to touch you anymore. That's insane. Yeah. Look, uh, eight months ago, look who we had on podcast. Oh, Matt Ron. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yep. crazy. Yes. So I was telling Dave, I was like, man, I got to pull up the information of who we had because I know we had a College DuPage guy on. So Yeah. Now, it, what uh, is he defensive? He's the head coach. Head coach? Yes. Okay, awesome. Yes. And then so, and then what, where, were you a quarterback coach then? I'm the special teams coordinator. Okay. And I'm linebacker coach. Okay, dope. Let's go. Um, I think from, from there, I wanted to also touch on, they mentioned boom. Yes. Now, what is, is boom, is that just individual training that you handle? Um, that is a seven-on-seven seven club. Oh, okay. So you got to think in high school, club sports is really big, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So club volleyball, club soccer. But football is not in a position to play football year-round. Yes. You know, trust me, I know, because I had to play in the NFL and then went to NFL Europe. And then I would get hurt that next year with, yeah. like, overuse injuries. I had nerve damage. I had knee issues because it's just not built for that. So seven-on-seven seven allows you – it's a club version Yes. Of football. So it's single hand touch. Um, you know, it really grew how I was raised, like backyard football, yeah. like turkey bowls and everything yeah. like that. I got better. Probably I got more results playing turkey bowl, backyard football than I did playing with my high school. Yeah. Reason being, 
you had nothing to lose. There wasn't some old head coach yelling at you for dancing too much or having fun. You know, you could try new things. Like I could try a new juke on you. And if I miss, oh, well, like yeah. you smacked me and I don't have to worry about losing my starting position. I can try a one hand catch. So you really got to experience and, and take, you know, risk of how great you can be. And the only way you can really reach your top potential is you fail your way to success. Yeah. So it allowed you to fail your way to success. So at Acceleration, every Saturday, we used to just meet at the park. So I would pick a team, uh, Mike would pick a team, my brother, and we'd have all of our Acceleration athletes just meet at the park, and we literally would, would play till either a fight broke out, an argument broke out, usually between me and my brother, or the sun went down. Yeah. And that's just how intense it got. And, um, you know, there'd be weeks at a time where me and Mike wouldn't speak over like an argument. Over, yeah. I touched you. No, you didn't touch me. Like things like that. So we started to hear about this Club 77. It was like kind of a new sport. Um, so we're like, Let, let's do this. So we, we actually can remain brothers because if we yeah. keep doing this, we're not. And then same thing, our athletes were starting to fight yeah. at each other. Um, you know, we had an athlete, Brett Shannon, smoked one of our trainers, Derek Northcutt. And uh, didn't want to train with them anymore, you know? So, yeah. you know, we're like, okay, let's take all this energy, all this, and create, a, you know, a seven-on-seven team, and then then go from there. So uh, the reason we called it Boom is because I'm calling, you know, we had guys like Mikey Dudek, um, Corey Davis, who in the league, Titus Davis, uh, James O'Shaughnessy, Cameron Brait, Jordan Westercamp, all these dogs that it was. we had to knock down doors to get, any college to even look at because yeah. why get a whiteout from Chicago, Illinois? We didn't get Texas, Cali, Florida. That, that's where all the whiteouts are. That's where all the skill positions are. So we felt that we couldn't just knock, you know, lightly on a door. We had to kick it down with a yeah. big noise. We had to make noise here in Chicago to, to get ourselves known. Um, and same thing with our color scheme, talking about that, it's dark purple and neon yellow. What's done in the dark shall be brought to the light. Oh, it's fire. So I remember when I was in high school, you know when the sun goes down, the sky's purple? Yeah. That's when I used to train because practice just ended. I'm the only one on the field still training. Yeah. No cameras, no anything. But I knew as soon as those lights, those Friday night lights lit up, you're yeah. going to see what I did when that dark purple was there. Yes. So that's our color scheme. Um, we really started to push out our athletes. And then now it's been a blessing. We have over 50 athletes that have played in the NFL. We have over 600 wow. athletes that have received athletic scholarships. And then now this was unheard of, you know, before we started, Alabama's recruiting Chicago now, LSU, Georgia. Yeah. Like now they're coming and really seeing it. So it's not just beneficial to the boom athletes. We're bringing more attention to all the great coaches, all the great players, all the great schools. The communities being impacted in Correct. general, whether they're whether they're directly associated or not. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's been it's been awesome for us. And we've won 18 national championships, 106 total championships. So we're the most prolific seven on seven organization in the country. And now yeah. it's like a legitimate sport. Um, you know, you have a company called Overtime doing reality shows on it. We I heard, just I heard about seven on seven in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's teams all over the yeah. country now. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you had on your mind you wanted to ask? I, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is really, you know, when you talk about like, never feel sorry for yourself and that there'll always be another opportunity, you know, I, I felt like in the last, I mean, we've been in business together since 2009. So I feel like in the last 14 years, I've watched you live that. Because we've gone through some struggles, mm -hmm. even building a company, man. Just, I mean, there were some lean years there too, man, where, you know what I'm saying? None of us took money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just saw you persevere. I always, I always saw you come into a facility with a smile on your face, man. And, you know, 
I remember you had a Raptor back then, you know what I'm saying? Got a Raptor, man, and you went, you know, went to coach. And, you know, I said, JR, I want you to meet so-and-so. You know I'm saying? All right, come on, let's go, you know? Um, I've lost count how many freaking just random lunches and coffees we've had with random people oh, just yeah. so we can – we were grinding, man. Yeah. And just watching that and kind of seeing where you're at now and, you know, and seeing your, your kids. Honestly, man, you're probably one of my favorite people. I appreciate it. Seriously. I think the hardest thing for people to understand is they hear failure and they think it's final, mm -hmm. but literally do they know they have to fail their way to success. And that's what most people are scared to do. And, but once you fail that first time and you realize every time you fail, you're one more step closer yeah. <laughs> to success, yeah, literally. then you embrace it. Yeah. Then you're like, Oh cool. I just got cut. You know, I'm closer to making the team now, or I just got turned down, you know, trying to get this sales. I'm, the next one, I have to. I mean, law of averages, I have to be successful next time. So I embrace the failing. I understand you have to control what you can control. And then everything I learned through all those struggles, like in my NFL career, six years, I was cut nine times. Yeah. So I was told by nine head coaches that I was not good enough to be on that team. Yeah. Uh, but the reason that I kept getting signed, kept getting signed because I believe you have to fail fast, you have to fail forward. So most athletes will feel sorry for themselves. They'll go yeah. in the tank and then they'll get a call from another team knowing they haven't done anything for a whole month and they'll show up to the trial, they'll puke, they'll get hurt. So my last three years, I won that spot at these trials by default because I was the only one that showed up prepared, showed up ready. So Cleveland Browns, my last year, and that year was my, my big contract year because I, I got my retirement that year. You have to yeah. get four credit seasons to get retirement. So they knew I was a local guy. Um, they had this fullback they wanted to sign, and they're like, okay, we need someone to hold the bag, you know, to do ISO and just smack. Uh, that JR guy's close. Let's just get him. So the first half an hour of the, of the, uh, the trial, I'm just getting smoked by this fullback holding the bag. Yeah. He pulls his hamstring. And all the coaches are there, all the all, all the scouts are like, all right, um, I guess let's see what JR can do. Did my thing, signed me, made the team, got my retirement. Wow. Got my pension, got everything. I would not be sitting in this chair if it wasn't for that. I would not have my retirement. I'd probably have to not get to do what I love. I would have to, you know, do something to provide for my family, you know, maybe work something I wasn't as passionate about if it wasn't for that. Wow. So it's always just having that blind faith that you will get an opportunity, but it's never going to happen when you want it to. Yeah. You have to be prepared. You have to train every day. You have to read. You have to continually learn. And something's going to happen that will change your life. And most people aren't prepared. So then they're going to go to the next person. Yeah. And then they're going to the next person. And eventually it's going to make its way to you. Yeah. And eventually if you capitalize it, you're going to be more successful than any of those people that are more talented than you, more gifted than you because you were ready. Yeah. Opportunity doesn't go away, just goes to who's prepared. Correct. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, there's two more questions I have on my mind. Um, one is, did you play against Shannon Sharp? I don't know if I'm off of my times. I did. Yeah? Yes. My first, uh, one of my first preseason games. Okay. I got to play against him in Denver. Um, so, you know, first NFL game playing in the elevation of Denver was <laughs> definitely, yes. you know, we went offside, opening kickoff, we go offsides, and I can barely, like, you're breathing, but it's like there's no air. Yeah. Like, so I remember having to go again. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, it took me the whole game to catch my breath back. But Shannon Sharp was, you know, one of my favorite at the time. Yeah. Because he was my height, my weight. 
you know, somebody that I, I wanted to be. I, I wasn't going to be like a Jerry Rice anymore because of how I grew. But I, I remember it, he was one of the guys I came up to after the game yeah. and uh, showed him some love. And, and that was pretty special for me. That's dope. He uh, Recently, he's, he's gone viral. He did an interview. So that's why I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to see your thoughts on, you know, if you played with him, what he was like then. And then, you know, I don't know if you heard, he made this video with, with Cat Williams. I don't, oh, I don't know if you watch I want to see it. I know. It's I've heard so everybody funny. talk yeah. about it. I know. If you watch it, if you like stand-up comedy, yeah. uh, it's, it's it seems pretty organic and authentic, but it is it is funny. I mean, Cat Williams is just roasting all these different comics. And one of my, I love movies. Uh, he's talking about Friday in there, okay. the different Fridays. So, yeah. Now, um, Shannon, Shannon Jenner, what you see is what you get with him. Yeah. Mo most... NFL athletes that are successful or genuine, they're great people. Intelligent as well. Yes. Like typically football players will get this like dumb type of, uh, I, I don't know, like just label. But any any high level football player I've ever met is intelligent. Those are the intangibles. Yeah. Like they're NFL, everyone's fast. Everyone's big. The ones that get you by is the ones that know how to take care of themselves. Yeah. They know how to learn the playbook. They yeah. know how to adapt and adjust. Very rarely I'll hear someone like a Marshawn Lynch where it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just here to do my job. Yeah, right. Beast mode, baby. Well, like, <laughs> running backs can do that. Yeah. You know, there's not, I mean, running backs are going to be just your natural in instinct, see hole, hit hole, but, but, for, but for the rest of us. Dave's brought up a good point here recently because it's like running backs aren't what they used to be. It's not like a really famed position anymore. And that's what's like kind of blowing my mind because that's always been like, my like favorite kind of position is to watch somebody like I watched Leonard Fournette when he was playing in high school. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I, I found a channel on like TV where okay. I could, and I I like watched every one of his high school games, and this was a man amongst boys, yeah, bro. Like, oh yeah, bro, he was. And yeah, but, man child, but man. then, but then you you know, it's like you he, you start to get into this decade of like just starts to die down. You you didn't hear too much about him uh, in in the NFL, and, and it's it's really just changed. Me being a mixed mixed uh, mixed man, where it's like typically it's like you got a black dominant you know running back, but this year you got Christian McCaffrey. You got more just, like a receiver mold. Now, yeah, like, and I'm like that that you know that white boy is doing this, yeah. and I'm sitting there like. You it's can't do nothing game. but respect it, dude. Yeah. You, know you can blame I mean? two things. You can blame seven on seven like boom. Yeah. So through the offseason, now the passing game is being elevated, but the running game staying the same. Yeah. Because you can't do a lot of running game stuff during the spring, but you can continue to do seven on seven. And then with the concussions now, yeah. you got to keep things spread open. out. Yeah. You know, you just can't grind ISOs. Like you don't see a lot of fullbacks anymore. Yeah. You know, if you do, it's usually a DN that goes in, but you know, any helmet to helmet contact, you got to go in the curtain. I mean, yeah. there was games. I, I don't remember like anything from my career. Literally, I don't remember anything. I everything I remember is what's told to me because I was concussed pretty much my whole six. That's what I wonder. I'm like, I don't know if it's gotten too soft or this is good to help you know, kind of proactively or reactively now try to curb you know long term side effects. Of, I think. Of it, I mean, I damage. have lesions on the left side of my brain, um, so. There's seven lesions that are basically dead brain just hanging out there. Yeah. I'm deaf in my left ear because all the time I always would, I was always confused. I'm like, why is it always this? And then muscularly it's, it's here, but you know, there, and I looked at film and I'm always leading here. Yeah. Concussions is really the brain yeah. slamming. Whichever so hits every first. time my brain would slam this way. Yeah. So brain damage there. And that's the logistical side, which I don't care about. Like, we got calculators now. I don't need to know what two plus two is. Yeah, exactly. So I'm good. Like, the creative side, which I love, that's nice and intact. Yeah, that's on fire. And who needs to hear? <laughs> yeah. You know, we text anymore anyway, <laughs> yeah. so we're good. Um, but, you know, that's why there's no fullbacks. Like, I, I literally don't remember. And, and the reason I do love neon green is, you know, they taught you to lead with your head. 
Yes. And every time I would smoke someone, whatever I was looking at when I hit someone, I saw that filter across my whole eyes. So every time I would hit someone, I'd be looking down and I'd see the grass. Mm. So I played my whole career like with a neon green filter yeah. on my eyes. And I just became obsessed with neon green because that's what I saw through every game. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, we'll end the podcast with how we started it. Where do you see yourself five years, 10 years, and 15 years from now? You know, I, I have a diversion of goals. You know, I for one, I got to conquer the day. You know, so, you know, I have things I have to do to conquer the day. Uh, long term, you know, I, I'm going to go where God leads me. But, you know, I'm always going to put 100% passion in where I'm at. I want to continue to grow what I do. But I do understand as acceleration grows, as boom grows, as my college coaching career grows, I have to, I have to help and coach coaches. You know, as we grow, I have to coach coaches. So my, my number one goal is to create great coaches and great trainers, you know, through boom, through acceleration, through COD, because as we grow, I can't do everything. Yeah. And I'm trying to do everything as, as I start to grow. Uh, my brother, Mike, has done an amazing job. All of our coaches at boom, you know, we have people underneath me at my special teams coordinating job at, at COD that I feel like if I step away, there's no drop off now. Yeah. You know, so, so that gives me the, the, the luxury of really flowing where my passion is. Um, and I love everything right now. So I want to continue to grow it. I st still want to continue to help athletes. But I think when I get to the point of, um, you know, old and gray, I would like really to um, to go into the NFL and uh, coach special teams there. Yeah. So once my brother, my kids are in a position to really stronghold acceleration and boom, um, you know, that that would be, be my path. If Deion Sanders called you right now, I know I told you that was gonna be the last question, but if he was like, Hey, bro, Jr. We need you out, Dion's uh, out here in Colorado with the special teams, right now. You I don't think I go. Now. You don't think I don't think I go. No, I, I, I've had college opportunities right now. Yeah, um, I've had BCS college opportunities, and I've turned them down because I have this timeline, um, and if I'm not gonna let acceleration down, I'm not yeah. gonna let boom. I'm 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 loyal to a fault. Yeah. And I'm not letting my team down, period. That's why yeah. I've been successful in anything I've done. I've realized the pie and I've tried to complete the pie. So if if the business needs to a janitor, I'm the janitor. If a, if a coach, you know, a staff needs a water boy, I'm a water boy. Yeah. So we're not quite there yet where I could step away. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll turn it down. And then I would say probably about six, seven years from now. Dope. I'll be ready. That's respectable. Even if it was like 20 million cash right now. I'm not driven by money. Dave, Dave could tell you that. Yeah, he doesn't care about money. I, no? I can't tell you how much money is in my bank account right now. I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I can't. My my wife does all of that. We're I, we're we're similar to that. Like we just burn it. We're I like, think the first five years or six years of our business partnership, I don't even think it was on a contract. Yeah, we're no. Like, I, I just I, I'm sitting here. I'm striking stroking this check. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I love these guys. Let's go to business. That's why we get. I've along. never looked in the bank account. Well, that's been hard with Chris yeah. gone because it's like, oh shoot. I still like, haven't Chris, looked at. Chris I never looked at it then. Yeah. I don't I look at it now, and yeah. I just say, hey, are we okay? Yeah, we're okay. All right, we're good. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, once a month I'll. I'll check, make sure we yeah. we, we, can pay we got bills and, yeah. 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 Yes. Bills and it's, all right, we're good. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, this is fire. Another episode of Adversity Kings, probably a longer one, but it's all good. I think we got a good, a lot of information, you know, put in here. So anything else you want to add? No, I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you guys. Shout out Acceleration, shout out Boom, and uh, best of luck to your family, your, your child, and, you know, your kids as well. So 
Awesome. You guys have a uh, great day. Please subscribe if you found any value. And if not, uh, don't unsubscribe. Well, <laughs> let's go. Have a great day.